herzliches Willkommen zum Mother Earth Heroes Show Podcast. I would really like to uh, switch to English, by the way, that um, all of our listeners actually get the amazing content you have in your brain into their ears and a warm welcome from all of us. Thanks, Nikolai. <laughs> Marty, before we dive deeply into the podcast, maybe you can shortly uh, give a, a, a quick a, uh, yeah, a quick overview about what you're actually doing as the managing director of uh, Systemic and what Systemic is all about and what you have uh, done before you started this amazing journey. A pleasure. Um, so first of all, I am a, a farmer, an organic farmer. And then I'm spending some time teaching uh, uh, at university, University of Innsbruck. And whenever time allows, I am taking care of uh, a new idea, which is called Systemic. It's a small company, new company. We only founded it three years ago. Consists of uh, 150 exceptional people who all think that uh, uh, we have to change the way we run our economy. Uh, and that was the, the reaction that uh, a friend of mine, Jeremy Oppenheim, and I had to collective 45 years uh, in a consultancy called uh, McKinsey and Company, uh, where we found out that uh, the big shift that's ahead of us is not accomplished with the means of conventional uh, business warfare. Uh, we need to have different ways, different vehicles. Uh, our vehicle is called systemic. Mm. And you have on your website, system change, not climate change. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Because in our podcast, we heard often now um, about like that this whole topic of climate change is as well a mindset topic. Like we need a mind shift in a society, not only from a consumer way, but as well in the whole way of how we behave as humans on earth and with each other. And is that, um, is that connected to that or was it, what is a system change uh, in, in a systemic way? Changing ourselves so profoundly as it as is needed is a multi-parameter problem. It's not just a question of having a better technology. It's not just a question of having a bit more capital. It's not just a question of introducing a different management practice. It's not just a question um, of uh, changing a single rule or a set of incentives. Uh, it's all of it together. Um, and that requires approaches uh, all the way or different altogether. Um, uh, what we currently see is the outcome of an economic system that has been established sort of with the early days of industrialization 200, 250 years ago. And um, it went very deep with us. Uh, and it uh, created um, uh, management practices. It created... Um, um, It created uh, um, uh, mindsets, it created capital markets, it created uh, um, uh, standards, uh, it created technology protocols. All of that is geared at an economy which essentially uh, is based on the assumption of open-ended resources that we can take uh, to use. Um, and that one assumption very inconveniently stopped being true very recently. And um, um, for that reason, we have to uh, sort of go all the way down into the engine room of the um, 
uh, and changed many things at the time. That's something, uh, that's a sport that none of us have really exercised a lot. And so that's also why uh, we have to, um, um, to reconsider um, many, many things at the time. We don't do that out of consulting. We don't do that out of, uh, um, um, just hang on. Um, yes, look, I, I, I've had a, the, the, the moment it dawned me that we have to change the way we deal with this challenge was um, when I finally arrived um, at a place that seems to be uh, on top of all the resources that exist to run the economy. It's a, it's a very large consultancy called McKinsey. Uh, I had the privilege to work um, with the best specialists. I had the, with the best uh, and most prestigious uh, financial institutions, with the best global uh, corporates and brands, um, uh, with hosts of excellent scientists, um, with uh, facilitators and psychologists who really know how to um, deal with mindset shifts uh, in a management context. And still, despite all those experts around us, sort of we weren't really able, uh, despite best efforts, uh, to come up with solutions that were uh, good enough and big enough for the kind of challenges that we're trying to solve. Um, uh, and it's, uh, at, the, at the one hand, sort of we recognize a lot is happening. We do have clean tech. We do have uh, much more awareness and things feel they're moving in the right direction when it comes to climate change, when it comes to how to deal with uh, uh, resource depletion. Um, at the same time, they are falling short by an order of magnitude when it comes to speed. Just imagine, um, we are going to, uh, to double the global economy over the next 20 years, sort of, it will be growing with three and a half percent, 70 divided by three and a half, that's a double period, doubling period of 20. Over the next 20 years, we're going to build everything we've ever built again. And the incremental improvement steps that we currently do in the way we are get, getting a bit more renewable, a bit more efficient, uh, mm -hmm. a bit more aware, are just not good enough. So we need to have a step change. And that step change is not managed through the silos. Uh, it is managed through a completely new re reconfiguration of the way uh, we are handling our economy. Uh, different sources of capital, different business models, um, different um, ways of deploying technologies, different ways of running ourselves, different talents that we are giving a shot. Um, all of that needs to happen together. That's a multi-parameter problem. You don't solve that out of old structure. And that's the reason why we said the new sport is systemic change. Um, let's develop uh, a profession around it. Let's uh, bring the best uh, talents around just that question. Let's make it a practice. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why we started Systemic. Mm -hmm. And is like, what is, what exactly you learned then in Systemic or what is exactly the practice then about like, when, you, when we took, would take a problem you're currently working on and the utopia of a solution you are working for, what would this transition look like? Let me take an example, Nikolai. There's uh, um, a challenge which is called ocean plastic, which more and more people start getting aware and increasingly worried about. So we live in a world where we are producing 400 million tons of a hugely valuable and 
uh, useful material. Uh, but we are finding out that we have done that in a way um, that is very 20th century, that is very linear. So currently only 2% of the plastic we are using is, has been plastic before. Um, and only 14% we collect for some kind of recycling. Um, uh, most of it we uh, landfill or we burn. Uh, and a huge part of it, a third, actually starts leaking into ecosystem. A third leaks into ecosystem and anything between 12 and 15 million tons end up into in the ocean every year, which uh, uh, is increasingly getting in the way of a healthy um, um, ocean ecosystems. Now, what to do about it? We need a much better material, some may say, uh, and that's a good idea, but it's not good enough. We need um, uh, to know where the material goes. We need better data, some may say, but it's not good enough. We need uh, um, better laws that actually sort of, we need to ban plastic bags, some may say, and that doesn't work. If you really think about it, you need to have a system map in your head um, and a roadmap that actually takes us, that takes, um, um, uh, that recognizes all the, the 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 system interlinkages and dependencies that exist, and so that's what we do at Systemic. We take it, and first of all, we think about are we able to describe what the target stage actually looks like? A world in which you have zero leakage, a world in which uh, plastic is a material that actually lives within its uh, lives within a 1.5 degree um, uh, uh, corridor, uh, where uh, we are moving away from undignified uh, forms of work uh, currently endured by waste pickers and scavengers around the world, in a world where um, we uh, don't interfere with, uh, with ecosystems, but in a way where we are also taking full advantage of plastic as a material which is uh, delivering healthy food, which is delivering very affordable living conditions to billions. So that needs to be described. Um, um, then as a next step, sort of you need to be able to um, uh, articulate uh, what are policies uh, like EPR systems, uh, like technical standard, standards that need to come into place? And the next step, you need to define what are um, what is the material design that we actually need for plastic to retain its highest value all the time, even post-use. As a next step, uh, you need to be able to think through what are the information systems that help us understand how those material streams really run so uh, because if you make a point that um, plastic is valuable uh, then uh, you almost need to draw the maps the geological maps of the 21st century's oil and gas which is now called plastic uh, so that you actually can start investing again uh, if you believe um, uh, that's true then you need to uh, be able uh, to help governments to draw roadmaps of how to stop leakage uh, if you believe um, uh, that we want to have that uh, new plastic economy, you uh, need to uh, be able to sign up the companies actually to do that the way we've done it with the Alan MacArthur Foundation, where more than 500 institutions now have committed to go for, um, uh, to, to phase out non-recyclables by 2025. If you believe in that, so you need to be able to, uh, um, uh, uh, to support a couple of uh, technology uh, startups that actually have better materials, better sorting technology, better recycling technology. You need to be able to show that uh, how you actually get new sources of both industrial, institutional and government money into new kinds of infrastructure for collection and recycling. 
and you need to be able to show that on a very small scale, uh, for the way we do it in, in, in Indonesia, you are able to build those uh, microplastic economies that are actually leakage free. All of that you need to do, which is a mouthful, yeah? so which is uh, sort of takes you into a very complicated world. That's how we deploy ourselves. So that we have many projects, some around um, the co-creation um, co of those solutions, some around about describing the target state, some about signing up industry, some about um, uh, the pilots on the ground, and some about uh, policy um, and in order to show we are real, we are also putting our same money into those solutions and we are investing into them. So in a way, we consider ourselves sort of the um, um, a 21st century version of a merchant bank that actually sort of tries to make new industrial ecosystems investable. Mm. That's cool. And what is... Because it sounds, again, really, really compelling and in, in a way really complex, but when you once figured it out, for example, with the, within the plastic world, what you, you, you made the case now, what would you say are the biggest bottlenecks for all kinds of businesses to actually do that? Because, I mean, there's so many smart consultants out there who thought through processes like that maybe for, for a lot of years now. Why do you think is now... Why it is working now with you guys and what would be needed to really scale it up through the whole world, through all industries? Look, we don't have the, the full recipe yet, although sort of we are taking um, uh, systems thinking quite serious and sort of we went deep into literature and we have been uh, reviewing all our experiences back from uh, working as consultants. Um, there's a couple of things which I think we need to, you need to do. So first of all, we as a firm have decided not to serve clients, we serve systems. So mm -hmm. we uh, commit ourselves mm -hmm. to a target state and then we are pulling um, uh, professional, uh, ambitious, pioneer institutions together to work on those institutions. Sometimes investors, sometimes corporates, sometimes uh, government institutions. So um, there needs to be a joint commitment to a desirable uh, target state. I think the second thing that is needed and that's very different uh, from the way we conventionally uh, work um, is that you need, to, uh, you need to allow for completely different perspectives. Um, and uh, endure all the ambiguity uh, during the solution process. And that starts off with bringing more diverse people on board. Sort of, uh, we, um, those people who took the decisions all the way up to here might not be the right ones uh, uh, to take us uh, forward from here. So uh, we try to be very uh, in, uh, inclusive, uh, diversity aware, gender aware. Uh, we try to pull from very different experiences and academic or professional backgrounds. Uh, and we try to create an atmosphere in which everyone has her say. So that's, mm -hmm. I think, again, something that's a bit different from how we uh, typically work. I think, and then we constantly have to, um, uh, uh, have to allow for uh, new sources of value creation and new sources of uh, or new types of business models. So I think um, the, the reason why it's so difficult to go into a regenerative circular world where um, we are utterly decoupling ourselves from the env environmental costs and also from the social costs that we typically uh, incur um, 
is because it's so difficult to uh, shift business models. Um, uh, so far, uh, the, 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 the bedrock business models of the uh, industrial economy has been to sell stuff. Uh, and my kids would say selling stuff is very 1990 and it's sort of not what we should be doing in the 21st century where um, we uh, particularly have the technology available that allows us to run business models very, very differently. More service-driven, more platform-driven, uh, more uh, dematerialized, um, uh, more invariant on costs, more scaling. And if you uh, and in a way, that's a, that's a super trend that you see with or without um, uh, physical resource constraints happening all along. So we need to be able to move from selling stuff to selling utility. Um, uh, and there are many industries that started doing that, that went from selling um, uh, lamps to selling light, that went from selling uh, X-ray machines to selling X-ray um, uh, shots to selling uh, diagnostic outcomes to selling therapeutical outcomes and getting paid not for the machine nor for the x-ray shots but really getting paid for you staying healthy um, or uh, by companies that move from selling fertilizer to um, uh, insuring farmers um, uh, for their yield so that in the end they have an incentive to use less fertilizer because it moves into uh, a cost item and it's not a top line item anymore which is more than uh, sort of a trifle, which is more than a nuance of how to run your PNL. Uh, it turns the world upside down entirely because all of a sudden you sit on the same side as your customer and as society because you have an incentive to keep soils healthy. You have an incentive to use less pesticides, less fertilizer, less diesel on the fields. Um, so that's a that's that's a, a huge step altogether, and all of that comes sort of through this this concept of changing um, uh, business models. As it happens, there is something like called the innovator's dilemma: uh, the the fact that if you're really really innovative, then you turn to be really really successful, and if you're really really successful. Uh, then you uh, want to stay very, very successful with the inherited formula. And that's why sort of Christensen says um, there is something like a dilemma that the most successful uh, innovators are hit it hard, hardest um, uh, or find it hardest to move away from what in the past has been the, their success formula. And that's why sort of many of the icons die as the context changes. And we are now in the single biggest shifts in context that uh, we have ever seen uh, as an industrial economy, as a society, and if you want to go there, Nikolai, as a species. I mean, we have now actually stepped into um, a global context, a climate context, that we haven't seen in five million years. We as human be beings have never lived under the uh, earth system realities into which we are stepping now and um, so in other words um, we are sort of the, the the single biggest case of the uh, innovators dilemma because we have been so successful as human beings by uh, harvesting earth and by depleting earth uh, and now that we step into an environment that makes it different altogether, sort of we find it very difficult to move away from the principle, harvesting earth, 
that has served us so well. So that goes for the innovator, the corporate innovator, that goes for cultures, uh, Jared Diamond, that goes for national economies, um, uh, Adam Smith, and that goes for human species altogether. That's the order of magnitude of the, of the mental shift that we have to go through. And it's not, um, uh, and if you read Kahneman, which many of you and your followers uh, will have done, uh, uh, he will, uh, he teaches us that uh, we as human beings are very much uh, driven by availability heuristics. We think that things are more likely to happen that have happened in the past, where that are available in our inventory of memories. Uh, and that works very well in a stable environment and in a way from an industrial paradigm point of view we have been living in a very stable industrial environment over the last 200 years because it was always about um, um, strip mining the earth putting it into uh, uh, economies of scale and selling the stuff and celebrating uh, material prosperity as societal progress that's what we have done and it served us very well all the way towards the point where we have started to uh, uh, incur costs uh, through natural capital depletion which are turning many of the benefits around that's exactly where we are now it's the first time could have happened in any generation it's hitting us uh, right now right here and today is September 20th uh, 2019 uh, sort of uh, probably you and many of your followers and myself, we have spent uh, today on the market squares of uh, <laughs> cities around the world. Um, and uh, it's hitting us right now, right here. <laughs> That's so interesting because today I was talking to a guy as well. We, we have been in the block of the Entrepreneurs for Future and I talked to a lot of people there. and. Um, he, he talked as well about what I heard so often um, that, that people, even in the driver's seats of this, of this, um, of this destruction we are, we, we are having on earth at the moment, are looking for possibilities to get out of it. You know, like they, they, they want to change as well. And what my, my maybe one of the last questions is, um, it's 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 a mind shift and we, we we have things which worked in the past and it's really hard for us to to change that in the future and, and to really go into alternatives but i'm when i listen to the people on our podcast there are alternatives already you can invest in you go can go into solar uh, wind energy like there are so many alternatives already since years where where is the problem of the shift you know like they they could take their money, put it into a new system, and it would run at the same, in the same way as like I understood so far, and it would give them the same results as they have at the moment. So where is this problem of this shift? I, I, I don't see it so much. Where, where is this, where do we stop always? Look, I mean, we have a capability bias because we know combustion engines so much better than electric ones. Uh, we have an uncertainty bias because we know the old assets, financing the old assets so much better than financing the new assets. Um, we have um, 
uh, an information uh, bias because uh, we know so much more about uh, the uh, the old ways of working, the old management practices, um, uh, uh, the the old markets than about the new ones. So there is uh, there are very strong biases inside of us uh, that keep us. Um, at the same time, I think for the first time we are starting to recognize that the uh, the risk of hanging on. Uh, are matched by the risks um, of um, uh, or by the by the opportunities of moving forward or by the risks of missing that better future and that opportunity that comes with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for the first time we are in a generation now where we actually know what uh, stranded assets are. Um, and uh, how risky it could be if only some of uh, the latest news are right to be invested in a very conventional portfolio. And so that starts create uh, unrest, uh, uh, discomfort, uh, and eventually movement, and we start and uh, uh, when we start seeing that mo that movement, we start see it in the uh, uh, in the divest movement. Um, we start seeing that in the ESG movement. Um, we start uh, seeing it um, uh, in the impact investment movement when we talk about financial markets. We see it uh, in uh, some progressive CEOs uh, in the corporate sector. We see it. Um, uh, in um, uh, the uh, in increasing efforts of companies uh, to attract progressive talent um, uh, and the risk of foregoing that talent. Uh, um, and we start also seeing it in the political sector that sort of whole countries and blocks are in fact subscribing themselves sort of to uh, a positive vision which seems to be more attractive to gain than um, uh, uh, risky to uh, to step into um, Canada sort of uh, actually uh, playing with the idea of smart prosperity China playing with the idea of an ecological civilization Europe playing with the idea of uh, the first uh, climate neutral uh, continent by 2050 or the world leading circular economy so we see a lot of that um, um, and one of the experiences that I think we've all made that some of the, those things, um, first of all, happen what they must happen, uh, what, what, what must happen. Things that must happen, happen. Uh, we've seen that again and again. Uh, things that are scientifically inescapable eventually happen. And then we observe that things typically are, uh, have much less impact than we think short run and much bigger impact than we think in the long run uh, and uh, many of the shifts that we are seeing now whilst they're not fully sorted yet um, whilst there's all the birth ache I think uh, are going to converge uh, into a, a, a very transformative development uh, of our economies hopefully on time that's my only concern I'm uh, as Nick Stern says we very very optimistic about the things that we can do uh, we have reason to be a bit less optimistic about the things that we do do um, uh, and whether we act fast enough. But uh, uh, once there, the, sort of there is convergent action, um, then I think the shift can be much quicker than we think. Uh, but uh, it requires sort of uh, 
a very quick awakening. And I think we all share the sentiment that we are in this phase of awakening and we don't have an alternative to believing that it is this awakening that we uh, need and have been waiting for. Nice. I would like to to close it down here with 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 a few uh, questioning, especially for our listeners as well. Martin, when you when you would start off now today as a twenty year old, and you listening to this podcast, and you think, "Oh man, this Martin, he 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 really speaks me out of my soul." What would be the best way to understand your way of thinking? Where do we start? Like. Is there is the best way to go to university, study something? Is the best way to start an own business and getting business knowledge? Is the best way to connect with certain people, read certain books? What would you recommend a 20-year-old who really would want to see the world out of your glasses? Wow. Well, first of all, don't spend a second, uh, a professional second on stuff that doesn't pay into that vision life is too short and by the way also the economic and the career opportunities that sits in exactly the topic that you and i are discussing now is far too big to sort of to let go of it so in other words don't uh, live a 20th century career where you're doing um where you're making a living from monday to friday and you live your ideals on saturday and sunday um sure um that Uh, the, the, uh, that you work sort of that everything that you work for professionally is 100% aligned to your vision and again the good thing is that uh, for once this is possible um, secondly equip yourself um, what we've just discussed requires the best policy makers the best scientists the best entertainers the best writers Uh, the best caretakers, uh, the best educators, the best uh, lawyers, the best business people, the best economists. So in other words, um, uh, also the best practitioners. So uh, whatever you do, make sure you are well equipped. So I think we don't have the luxury anymore to um, look at this big transformation uh, as a job of a couple of um, uh, selected NGOs or that that's sort of for a couple of Uh, sort of for um, uh, sustainability aficionados, uh, although they are very, very professional, still sort of we have to make sure that we are taking this to the heart of, our, of who we are professionally. Um, that's the next one. Um, third, uh, I, I really happen to think um, that many of the decisions that we have taken on the way to where we are now have been taken by a very small Uh, group when it comes to age, when it comes to gender, when it comes to ethnicity. And I think if we had taken decisions more broadly, more diversely, we would be in a better space. Uh, all of us, myself included, have to learn that there's a huge value in listening to other people's opinion and mm -hmm. create processes that allow to blend those different perspectives. So be a good listener and be diverse and inclusive. And then the last thing is sort of don't, uh, we need your energy. We need all of your energy, uh, your positivism, your fun, uh, your vibrancy. And so don't uh, become helpless. Uh, don't become sour. Don't become depressed. Sort of also make sure that you take care of yourself, your health, your optimism. Um, uh, so enjoy the good sides of life because sort of we, this is going to be a marathon and we need to have a quite a, 
a strong cohort of healthy runners and <laughs> they need to be physically, mentally, uh, emotionally fit, fit for that um, marathon. And so let's not uh, sort of, let's not submerge. We, we don't have the luxury of pessimism. So uh, let's not allow for that a single minute. I love that. And to, to get really concrete, what would be a step on Monday everybody can start, you know, because what we are like, we always get this amazing concept and we always get an amazing tips. But what I'm missing is what can I start? I'm now an activist. I was today at Fridays for Futures. I really want to change the world, but actually I'm studying neuroscience at the moment, you know, and I want to really have an impact. And I like, where is the place I go when I really want to, when I really want to be like become Martin class operating, you know, within the next five years. <laughs> Look, first of all, um, becoming a good neuroscientist, I think is an enormous, uh, enormous asset. Uh, sort of my son who was sitting next door studying for his chemistry exam exams at university also said, look, what can I do? And I said, so passing your exams would be a good idea because uh, lots of the problems we have are about bad chemistry. We need good chemistry and good chemistry requires good chemists and sort of please learn your stuff. So don't be too hard of your, uh, on yourself, sort of progressing uh, 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 and constantly sort of thinking and comparing what you learn and what uh, that means for the outside world is a good thing. But then, um, look, um, there is a, there, there's all the small things you can do at home. Try to prove to the world that uh, you can that uh, decoupled smart prosperity is possible sort of don't try to prove that just by um, massive step backs uh, you uh, sort of we, we can uh, reconnect ourselves to the planet it's right to be uh, creative in the way um, uh, reuse over single use um, is creating exactly the same convenience prosperity and health um, it might cost less uh, and it's not killing convenience or um, sort of quality of life at all. Just live that very consistently. Um, sort of there is lots of food that's good for you, that's healthy, that's nutritious. Just eat that and let go of other stuff and show that it's just uh, sort of that you are not... Uh, uh, that you are not falling short of anything, but that's in fact, there is a, we, we need to, uh, what we really need to do now is to invent what a good life actually means under the new condition of climate change uh, and of resource depletion and of biodiversity loss. Uh, currently, we, no one is able to explain what that is. And we need a whole generation that is able to explore and positively live uh, uh, what a good life is and make that sort of an attractive uh, uh, antagonist sort of two two days definition of what a good life is and make it attractive and make sure that you've got followers who will say well this person is so much happier uh, connected um, uh, healthy um, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and and also well, uh, sort of uh, uh, deeply, sort of more, more spiritually, intellectually connected. Uh, 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 that seems to be a very good life. And how can it be that sort of that seems to work uh, sort of with a completely different resource balance and with a much cleaner mm -hmm. conscience? So let's not sort of let's not be the minus club. Let's, let's 
this plus club um, and invent that because there is no recipe for it yet. Sort of, we are all helpless currently when we stand in front of the shelf, when we stand in front of the airline counter, when we stand in front of um, uh, when we stand in the canteen. Whatever we do, sort of, there's we haven't invented this new way of life yet, and uh, that's not just for technology and corporations and investors. It's also for every single one of us. So that's one element. Um, but then, uh, I, but then, otherwise, I happen to think that uh, uh, th that the concept of entrepreneurship is a super important one when it comes to uh, big disruptions. I happen sort of I think of 2019 as almost as 1994, which was the year when most post-war German companies were founded. So it's Grundig time. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, it's time for new ideas, completely open spaces. Let's be as entrepreneurial. Consider, I I, I don't think uh, humans should be employed at all. No one should be kept busy by someone else. Everyone should be the entrepreneur of one's own uh, uh, mission, um, irrespective of of, of contract arrangements. Uh, and sort of think of yourself as an entrepreneur. Never again will we have an opening where so many ideas sort of uh, uh, are needed uh, for, for a future market. Um, look, I could go on a bit, but the, the, these are a couple of things that I have in mind that, that I would think of. And I can't envy you enough that sort of that uh, many of your listeners and followers are actually at an, at an age where they can take the full advantage uh, of being young at such a moment. Amazing. Love that. Martin, thank you for your time. One book, which book should we read? Well, sounds a bit self-serving, but at least I put a lot of effort to, uh, into a book called The Good Disruption, Redefining Growth in the 21st Century. And I've met people who thought uh, it was a good read. <laughs> <laughs> cool, Martin. Thank you. Have an amazing weekend. And um, yeah, thanks for your time. I will, I, I will, I'm looking forward to share this and to get the feedback. <laughs> very good. Meet you very soon. Happy weekend. Bye.